Well, by that old clock on the wall, it's time to go inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Savalero. And my good friend, Kelly Grayson, is on special assignment. So I will be flying solo today. But I am very excited. I am so excited. If you could see me, this is what my excited face looks like. You know, we start to think about COVID, right? We start to think about these vaccines. And we start to think about what the future is going to look like. And is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And maybe it's not a train when we finally do see it. But one of the things I thought would be interesting is to really kind of bring in somebody that has the opportunity to share with us the experience of how they prepared, the experience of what it was like going through it, and then the experience of sharing what the future looks like. And I have got a great guest for you. He is the Emergency Preparedness and Safety Coordinator for the Montgomery County Hospital District deep in the heart of Texas. Sean, I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. I'm happy to be here and share whatever I can with uh, with your community. You know, I think that one of the things we think about is this: this is we. I mean, we are we veterans now in this, right? We've been dealing with this for so long, but I think that there was a ramp up time, right? I mean, you like anybody else who's in the you know emergency preparedness and in the safety positions really had to tackle this head on. And I guess I'd be interested, Sean. Maybe you just give us a background, let the listeners know when this started up. What did you have to go through? What did you have to do to prepare for all this? Yeah, it it does kind of feel like we're we're all you know veterans to this this COVID, and you know we somewhat are the foremost experts you know in our in our field because before this you know there was not there was not that that realm you know we 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 all went headfirst into tackling this project and this this pandemic and preparing for our own agencies, however unique that is. Uh, so we all kind of are, are the leading experts in our in our own. Uh, region now so uh you know and whenever we were first approached with this you know looking at december of 2019 january 2020 you know we we started hearing about this uh this novel coronavirus out of uh some small province in china you know it was it was way off in the distance we we weren't sure if we would actually see it uh you know regardless though we we still had you know to face that there there was some concern, there was some kind of threat out there that we had to start preparing for. You know, was it? Do we need to start stockpiling PPE? Do we need to maybe just have it in the back of our minds? Do we need to really start educating the crews on what is uh, first of all, what is a coronavirus? What what is the difference between a you know the virus and a bacteria? What should we do to prepare for you know this type of coronavirus? How infectious is it? What do we know about it? At the time, not very much. You know, we. We shared what we could. We uh, told them, "Hey, you know, it's this is coming, uh, possibly." Uh, and what what should they look for as we come out? And that that's where we were. You know, this time in 2020, you know, we were we were thinking there there's a there's a threat. You know, we're we're sitting in on these calls with the CDC and the state health department and. Uh, really trying to absorb as much information as we could, and then disseminate that information back to, you know, the people that are in the the front lines, the people that are out on the trucks, and they're going to actually see it. They're going to experience it. And how can they protect themselves? And what should they be scared of? What should they take home to their families? And you know, so that they can, in turn, share the information with with the public and the people that they encounter. Yeah, I got to tell you, I mean, in all that, we had no idea what we, you know, what we know now. 
Uh, we didn't have any idea then. And we talk about this time next year. This is really about the time, right? I mean, we're now just getting the first cases, which was kind of towards the end of January. And, and now we're really trying to figure out. I mean, we're getting into, you know, the thoughts of lockdown mode. So, you know, it, you know, this is your business, right? When you think about emergency preparedness, Sean, you know, so if you think about that starting, if you think about that preparation, if you think about that education, what do you think the biggest lessons you guys took away from that startup? period that get ready period that i don't know what the hell's going to happen period i think the the biggest benefit that we took out of that you know that ramp up is the ability to communicate openly you know it, it's okay to tell to tell crews and tell your tell your guys out there you know we don't know what what's coming we we don't know the specifics we don't know how long a fomite you know is is a hazard we don't know how uh, you know, how long it's airborne, if it's airborne, if it's droplet, those are all things that we're still learning, you know, January, 2020. Uh, and it's, it's okay. And, you know, along with the communication lines, you know, building up with the, with the hospitals and facilities, you know, having those frequent calls where you, you've established that, okay, this is who I am with my agency. Who are you with your facility? How can we work together knowing that we're going to have to, you know, be a part of this together, you know, it, it bring, bring out either it, it being a surge capability, you know, if we need to shift, uh, patient loads from, from one facility to another, how can one facility communicate that they need a break? They need, they need a timeout. They need us to shift. And back then, you know, uh, we, we prepared, we, we really, you know, ramped up and got all forces, uh, right on right on the ready for it. And then uh, it just kind of didn't happen for a few months. You know, it was a very, very slow build. Uh, and then down in Texas, you know, we, we didn't see it as aggressively and as fast as maybe California or New York, but uh, whenever we did see it, it was a, it was a very sharp spike. So it just, it took a while to hit us down here, but you know, that's, that's where I think we hit fatigue early was we, right. we started early. We started fast and then, it was like a hurry up and wait. Well, I mean, some of those places down in Texas got their butts kicked, you know, especially going down there towards the border. I mean, it was just crazy what, you know, El Paso, El Paso and those places were going through. But, you know, so one of the things that always impresses me, though, Sean, is that, you know, EMS, you know, as well as I do, I've been doing this business, you know, since the mid 80s. And it always seems that EMS is always the afterthought. But yet when we are in the middle of the, the heat of the battle, EMS providers, EMS organizations truly rise to the top of being able to tackle whatever it's going to be, active shooter. Um, you know, we, we went through the SARS and we went through the Mars and we went through the, you know, the all the things, the bird flu and all the things that we had, you know, everything that we had to go through. I mean, in this time where you guys are now thinking about how you handle this response, what's the biggest thing that impressed you about maybe your organization or just the career field of EMS? MS. Uh, well, it comes down to one word for me, and that's resilience. You know, we, as an industry, uh, you know, I can speak a lot to my agency, the the hospital district out here, but as an industry, we see that, you know, we don't really have an option of saying, I, I don't think I want to go on that call. I don't think I want to go into that person's house. Uh, no, you were summoned, you know, you, someone called 911, it was, there's an emergency, uh, and they're expecting you to respond. You have a duty to act. So whenever, you know, we, we have that responsibility as an administration, 
we need to make sure that our people that we're putting out into those environments are absolutely as protected as possible. And the resilience of every single person, you know, coming back and saying, uh, I'm, I'm still showing up to work. I'm still going out on these calls. I'm still, you know, going to be ready to respond to my community and do it with a smile on their face, you know, uh, or under that mask at least. But, you know, they, they come back and, you know, they'll share information. They'll say, Hey, I didn't, I didn't like the way that this felt. I feel like there's a, a risk here. You know, there, there may have been a, an exposure concern that we didn't think about. And there, there's that open communication back and forth. But really the resilience bouncing way down to the basics is that crews still showed up. They still went on calls. And that's across the industry. All right, Sean. I, I mean, I think that that's really awesome. And I think that that really, you know, your experience is really what a lot of the experiences were. Uh, when we started this thing, well, that brings us to today. And I think I want to ask you, you know, what the biggest lessons learned you were, you know, that you had coming up to all this experience that we've gained. And then the next thing I want to probably gauge from you is employee mental health, because I know that safety is a big issue for you as well. But if you think about where you are today, the experience that we learned, and kind of the success of where you are today, uh, what do you have to give us? So, uh, you know, that's... uh, could be a very lengthy answer i think you know one of the most resounding successes that that we have is that our uh, our ability to communicate with our facilities you know it, it comes back to that communication every every answer it seems like but it, it's so valuable to be able to share that information and share that intelligence across the lines so if <clears throat> if we have a a hospital uh that is seeing a surge that's having patients holding in the ed they're they're not moving patients out of the icu and they're having a major staffing issue we have an ability to communicate with those hospitals. The hospital says, hey, we we can't take EMS traffic. Or if you have an EMS unit that's coming this way, they're going to have to hold for for quite a while. And so we, we have the ability to then turn around and tell our crews, hey, you need to possibly give this facility a, a break. And in our area, we're, we're pretty fortunate to have a, uh, a large selection of facilities. So we, we can either stay in Montgomery County and go to one of our, one of our several affiliated uh, agencies, or we can go down to Houston and the Med Center, or one of the other outlying communities. Uh, then, at the same time, you know, all of our facilities have uh, freestanding emergency departments. These are, you know, these little ERs that has have sometimes as few as two beds, or six beds, or twelve. But we have the ability to say, "Hey, we're going to go ahead and start taking patients to these facilities. We're going to start going to these freestanding ERs uh, where uh, the volume is not there. These these are." somewhat low acuity patients they they'd likely be seen in the waiting room if we went to a major you know a, a hospital system but that way they can go to these small freestandings and get assessed there where we can start the process uh, then the same lines with you know with successes that we've taken out of it is being able to be flexible enough across the system across the board and saying um you know these are these are implementations coming down from the administration. These are these are uh, safety measures that we're pushing out to our crews. And then we have almost like a town hall, an open forum, daily or weekly, and we say, "Okay, what are your questions?" Uh, and crews will come back and say, "Why, you know, in the very early, why is an N95 better than a surgical mask, or uh, why do I have to wear a gown or a face shield?" Uh, so really, they were they were that they were that simple questions. I mean, really, they wanted to know the the whys of even the littlest of things. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, 
and first of all, never pushing those questions away, you know, because if one person's thinking that, uh, there's no telling of how many others are thinking that. But then we we start with the basics, you know, those little things about, you know, talking about particulate uh, filtration, and then we we can dig down deeper into, uh, you know, what is what is the COVID nineteen viral molecule? What is what is the risk of spread? How how easily is it transmitted? What organs does it affect? What's the pediatric uh, presentation? You know, and we can really dig down, dig into uh, medicine and science and go much more in depth. But just having that open area for just questions, just you know, getting the medical directors online, getting the the EMS leadership online, and saying, here are here here's our command team. What what questions do you have? What are you unsure about? And then just letting it go. And cool. early on, those questions, those those forums would go for hour and a half, two hours. Uh, you know, we still have them today, and they go for probably thirty minutes. But they're still cool. questions. They're still dialogue. Very cool. So let's talk about let's switch gears a little bit from the safety standpoint, and I do want to get your uh, expertise and thought of what this looks like this time next year. But what about uh, mental health, mental wellness? And, uh, you know, during this time, you know, you read the stories, you probably lived them as well. You know, people are living in their RVs, people are living in their cars, people aren't going home. So they don't want to, uh, you know, infect the people that they love, right? They're trying to keep everybody safe. And they're still coming in and doing a job, but uh, they may not like it, but they're doing it. So how did you deal with that mental health issue? And I'm sure that it's still part of your, you know, strategy today. I mean, what does that look like today? Yeah, and that's that's ever-evolving. And that's one of, the, one of the things that we try to, you know, make clear is that what we have today working for us is not going to be what works for us in a couple of months. It may not be what works for us next week. Uh, it definitely isn't what worked for us uh, a year ago. Uh, mental health is an ever-evolving process, and it takes so much commitment from so many people to make sure that, uh, first of all, we can we can be there for the crews. You know, our job in any kind of administrative role is to make sure that uh, people out on the streets, people that are the face, you know, that are giving the care, they're they're protected physically, mentally, behavioral. I mean, financial, everything across the board. We want to make sure that we're giving people that are putting their lives on the line uh, the most tools at their disposal. So, you know, early on when we're when we're st- first starting to hit this, when we're talking about, you know, February, March, uh, we, we built it up. We, we said, okay, here's this threat. And then right away, you know, we start talking about added stressors and the mental health, you know, mental illnesses are, are still there. There's still people with underlying uh, issues going on. And we're just adding so much stress to that. So we say, here's all this, and now cope with it. Well, somebody that's having issues coping already, they're not going to take that on very well. And that's that's not fair to, to anybody in that role. So we realize that we're going to start hitting almost a disaster fatigue very quickly. You know, people are going to start not not handling, you know, the, the added in, information coming out. They're not going to be able to cope. They're going to start putting themselves into a crisis mode. So we needed to really kind of round the wagon, circle the wagons and come back and say, okay, uh, I, I understand that this is, this is a lot coming out. Uh, we, we need you to talk to somebody. We need you to, to understand that there's people there for you and with you and that, that are going through this with you. You're not alone. Uh, and so we, we started building up a list of counselors, a list of, 
facilities and uh, agencies that you know understand what you're going through whether it's a uh, emergency psychiatric uh, resource that deals specifically with first responders and veterans so they can understand that PTSD unit they can understand the the stress of what what our people are seeing every day or if it's just a, uh, a standard lay lay trauma counselor somebody that can help with uh, stressors from home you know child discipline uh, family stressors and just having those units those those pieces available for the staff sure I think it's a long way yeah I mean I think that you I think that you were really kind of uh, you know right there in the forefront of doing what we needed to do and one of the things that I think was the biggest issue as well is you know we always seem to have the counselors and the CISD and all the things that we need to do to keep our workforce safe one of the things that I think happened and maybe you have some insight on this is that people started to use people started to talk more because this just wasn't just one event this wasn't a bad call on a saturday night at two o'clock in the morning this was an ongoing event and it seemed that more and more people found solace in talking to somebody whether it was their partners whether it was their peers maybe it was these councils you're talking about um but you know letting them know that that was okay that this was part of that process i think they did a good job of finally understanding the importance of uh you know being part of this counseling yeah i agree completely and i, I think one of the biggest uh benefits as far as you know mental health that could have come from uh this madness the past year is that it's okay for a healthcare provider uh an ems frontline worker uh you know a paramedic an emt and dispatcher, whoever's on that line, it's okay for them to come out and say, I'm tired. Because you know what? I am too. We're, we're all right there together. Let's talk about it. You know, let's, let's, let's share with our experience and let's share why we're tired. Let's, let's say what, what's really dragging us down. Uh, but if we're going to talk about that, we need to, we need to round back and say, well, this is what I'm thankful for. I'm, I'm incredibly thankful that maybe, maybe it's that I have, you know, if you have a family, if you have a, an animal, a fur friend or, somebody to go home to me if it's uh having those peer connections at work if it's having that social circle or uh, somebody online to talk to video games uh whatever outlet you have you know why are you thankful for it is it the gym uh you know and really kind of making you know rounding back so we understand that it you know it sucks right now it sucks going through yeah. and we're doing a lot of really hard work and we're putting putting our people through some really horrible situations there, there's good out there you know it's funny that you say the video game thing i had a friend of mine who was uh he lived in uh in wyoming and he uh was an emt and he told me i, I talked to him i don't know probably early late spring early summerish, and uh they were really preparing and he was really worried about it but he used to play the call of duty game online all the time and he actually started to play with a paramedic who was in new sure. york and they he was talking to him he let the the paramedic in new york actually talk to him about the thing and it, it was almost he said i'm ready for my daily therapy you know yeah. which was really kind of interesting that you said that but you know because most people um you know they think about video games of not being very healthy one i think it draws your mind but two you could connect with people all over the world that uh, are in the same job so that was kind of interesting but sean so as we start to think about the future now i mean you're the emergency preparedness and safety coordinator 
what what's the future look like here i mean what are we trying to do i mean how are you either getting ready for this to be gone or not letting down the uh, vigilance of making sure that people don't think it's gone so we we need to kind of approach that with a few different mindsets understand that covid's not going away you know we're 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 encouraging vaccines we're encouraging uh the basics of of protection like washing your hands wearing a mask uh, but COVID's not going away anytime soon. So understand that even with that vaccine, even with all that those things in place, there's a light at the end of that tunnel. It's a very, very small light. It's there, uh, but it's going to take us a long time to get there. So, you know, build up the expectation that you're going to be wearing a mask for quite a while. Uh, you're going to be living, you know, with the set of questions in your mind for quite a while. You know, have you have you had a cough? Do you have a fever? Have you been exposed? Those are questions that are built into your 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 patient assessment now. And moving on with that is understand there are still people out there that want to do bad. You're still going to have those those terrorist attacks, the, whether they're domestic or whatever the situation is. You're still going to have those situations come up. We need to be prepared for those as well, taking into account COVID, taking into account all those respiratory infections, all all the uh, protections that we, we need to have for for our people. You know, whether it be a mask, a face shield. Um, and we need we need to be able to implement those into our preparedness plan. So, whenever we're working on like a uh, a mass casualty triage situation, how are we going to triage so many patients as safely as possible? How are we going to uh, build up you know a walking wounded area or, uh, treatment? And how are we going to make sure that our providers are taken care of and we're also not uh, you know creating a potential COVID hotspot? And, and that's that's one of the biggest you know aspects that we're working on now is saying, okay, we need to really start getting back into uh, you know all these all this preparedness, all these drills, and uh, build up our, our staff again. We've had we've had almost uh, you know so many people depending on your agency, you know, hiring over the last year. The people that have been hired over the last year, they don't know EMS outside of COVID. They their whole career has been working under a pandemic. They don't know what it's like to go to a, a bus rollover drill or a mass shooting. And so we need to start kind of bringing back those 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 threats that were so important to us in you know July of 2019. Those are still threats. They're still out there. They're they're going to happen again. Right. And those are really that's a really good point. Is have we gotten out of the business of being in the business? And I think that's really important. And uh so, you know, I think that that's a lot of great information. I, I, I think just the last question I want to give you is um, the COVID shots. I mean, how are they going at your agency? What are people thinking about them? You know, we, we hear a lot about our peers are saying, I'm not taking it because of the blah, 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 whatever it is. And we have to respect their opinions. But uh, how's the vaccines going down there in Texas? And, and what's your opinion about do we, from an EMS standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, are these things that need to be mandated? I mean, how, how do we handle this? Are the people who are saying no? Uh, from our experience, um, if you give people enough education and enough, enough, uh, facts about the vaccine about the risks uh then they're going to come to the right decision if you if you give them the, the the education beforehand if you say okay here's here's published literature here's information from the cdc from the actual manufacturers 
uh, and these are the here's the the blind studies. Here's here's everything that's that we know about it, and just give it to them. Say, I need you research it, and you make up your mind for yourself. Uh, we don't we don't think it's ethical to maybe mandate that uh, an employee get get a vaccine that they we force them to take something that for whatever reason they have decided not to. We need to let them have the expectations that if they don't, then for the length of their, their time here, they'll likely be wearing a mask with every single patient in contact. Uh, we, so we need to build up those expectations, saying that we're, we're going to give you the tools to protect yourself no matter what. But we also need to be responsible to our, to our patients and to our peers. Sure. Then, awesome. Yeah, and when we, when we build up into it, you know, uh, here locally for, for vaccines, we're we're fortunate enough that we have a close enough tie with our uh, Office of Emergency Management and our hospital system. While we're all going out with traffic uh, shortages, we can combine together. We can uh, we have paramedics out at these max vac- vaccination sites, and we're giving thousands of vaccines a day. You know, our 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 face as it has been in the beginning. Our faces were responding to the pandemic, and now uh, we are the face of ending the pandemic. Potentially, you know, we're out there. Uh, in force and smiling, saying, this is what I've seen. I'm passionate about this. Here's your shot. Here's any information, and and I can answer any questions that you have. So, you know, it, it's a really special thing for, I think, a lot of us that we get to be a part of that. But vaccines are coming. They're, they're going. So, Yep, very cool, very cool. Well, Sean, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to share the experience, and uh, thank you very much for joining us on the Inside EMS podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And, you know, you've heard what Sean has to say. You know, you know the questions. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, go ahead and email us at the show at ems1.com. For Kelly Grayson, I'm Chris Sabalera. For our guest, Sean Simmons, I want to thank you for joining us, and we'll chat with everyone again real soon.